Hello, friend. Mike McCurry here. You are listening to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast, and I'm very thankful that you are. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles. Turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter 13 is where we will take our scripture from today. While you turn there, let me tell you about a special event coming up right here at the Bible Tracks Incorporated building. Brand new building. You may notice, those of you that are watching the video version of this broadcast on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, you may notice that the digs around me, the area around me, looks a little bit different. You see, I'm sitting in the control room of the brand new Paul Levine Studios. We'll talk about what that means a little later on, but if you'd like the behind-the-scenes tour, you can join us on October 1st of 2022. October 1st, we'd love to see you. That's a Saturday. We had people come, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five hours away, come from five hours away to our open house this past year, and I'm excited to see what God does this year. Would you come join us, please, October 1st? It's a Saturday. Come be with us. Come see where we put out millions of gospel tracks. Come hear the testimonies of people accepting Christ. It's going to be live and in person. I want to see you there. Please be my guest. If you have questions about this event, you can email us, or if you want to RSVP, email us at grandopening at bibletracksinc.org. One more time, it's grandopening at bibletracksinc.org. We want to see you there. Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapter number 13. Let's look, if we can, at, let's see, verse number 10 and 11. Find your place there, Genesis 13 and verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they, meaning Abram or Abraham and Lot, separated themselves the one from the other. Lot here makes a career, ministry, family, life-altering decision that goes on to affect him and his family for years to come. Not only that, but the decision that he just made that we just read about in Genesis chapter 13, it affects the children of Israel for generations and centuries to come. Can I ask you, would you consider asking Lot about the greener grass? Lot saw with his eyes some greener grass, and it deceived him. What deceived Lot? Well, his eyes deceived him. He saw something that he liked. He saw something that reminded him of his time in the metropolitan, the green grass area of Egypt, and he went after it. He pitched his tent towards Sodom, and he ends up becoming one of the major players in Sodom. He becomes one of the powerful people there. Not only his eyes deceive him, but as I just alluded to, power or his esteem, his pride, it deceived him as well. What deceived Lot? Well, in Genesis 19, verse number one, the Bible says, and there came two angels to Sodom at even or or in the evening and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. The Bible tells us that Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He was a big shot. He was a big kahuna. 
He was a rich man as we know. We don't know if he was on some sort of city council, if he was the mayor or anything like that of Sodom in this short period of time that he lived there. But can I tell you, Lot ended up looking at Sodom. He ended up going to Sodom. He ended up becoming very close to the Sodomites. And that's where the angels found him. When God's representatives showed up, they found him carousing and in a cohort with those people. Hmm. Should he have been there? Oh, I I would hasten to tell you that he likely should not have been, but he allowed his position to become more important than his testimony. One of the things I most appreciate about the ministry here at Bible Tracks Incorporated is the fact that we do not require people's money to send them gospel tracts. Donations are appreciated, but not required. What I mean by that is this, nobody has power over what we do at Bible Tracks except God. Realize that one of our core values is the power of the gospel is in the word and not the worker. You say, so what does that mean for me? It means no matter how big your pocketbook is, you're not going to sway us from our core principles, from our purpose. We believe that no gospel worker should go for want of the tools they need to evangelize the lost. We believe that we are going to put out free gospel tracts around the world. We've already done so in 170 countries to the tune of 608 million gospel tracts. We don't plan on stopping anytime soon. We are very confident in what we do, why we do it, how we do it. Now, please understand, we're always open to improving. We're always willing to look at and consider better ways of doing things. But there are some non-negotiables about this ministry. There are certain ways that we do things that we don't plan on changing anytime soon. And it doesn't matter if you have a check for $10,000 or $100,000 or a million dollars. That's not going to change what and why and how we do things. Now, I'm glad to say, even if I have a moment of weakness, our team here is very confident in those same things. and, And our leadership is of the same mind. We're not planning on changing anytime soon. Even if Micah McCurry jumps off the deep end and makes bad decisions, Bible Tracks Incorporated and the legacy of Paul Levine and what we do here, we're not planning on changing that. But Lot, oh, he was a little fickle when it came to money, when it came to business, when it came to opportunities. Are you in that kind of place at work? at your place of employment. Maybe you're at a point where your position is more important than your ability to proclaim the gospel. Now, I'm not counseling you to stand up at the lunch break and stand up on a table in the cafeteria and say, all right, everyone, listen to me and use your position as a boss to cudgel people over the head with the gospel. No, but do people at your work even know you're a Christian? When they say, hey, we, we have an extra shift we need you to pick up on Sunday, do you say, I- I'm, I'm sorry, one of the preconditions of my working here was that I don't work on Sunday. I was in that position in Bible college. I worked uh, my very last few years of Bible college, I worked at fine jewelry, high-end jewelry, selling some beautiful pieces. And Sunday was a day that nobody else really wanted to work because it was normally a slow day. And I told them, now realize I was, oh, I'm been 19 years old, maybe, maybe 18, probably 19 though. When I interviewed with a district manager of this fairly large chain of high-end jewelry, the, please understand me, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with just normal mall jewelry, but this was high-end jewelry, okay? Lots of pieces. The most I ever sold in a, the most the dollar figure was close to $60,000 in a month, okay? It was expensive stuff. But when I met with her and I was interviewing, I was 19 years old. I said, one of the preconditions that I have, if I'm going to accept a position here, is I don't work Sundays. And they agreed to that. 
Now, at the beginning, it caused a little bit of strife between me and some of the other employees because they were like, why doesn't he have to work Sundays? Sundays are a slow day. I don't want to work Sundays. But I told them from the get-go, I don't work this day. But can I also say that my desire, I was not perfect with this. Please understand me. But my desire was that every person there, at least at the bare minimum, knew who I actually served. I didn't serve the God of money. I serve the master of eternity, Jesus Christ. Is your paycheck worth more than telling people about the gospel? Maybe your job situation has the look of greener grass. Maybe it's something that's kind of grabbing you a little bit. Maybe a promotion is a better deal than being in church. Maybe you're looking at right now, maybe you're looking at the potential for promotion, but you know it's going to mean more hours and you're going to miss the midweek Wednesday service at church. You're going to miss Sunday school. You're going to miss most Sunday nights. You're going to miss... Uh, can I encourage you to be very careful about going after the quote-unquote greener grass? So often the gold looks like greener grass. Oh, but friend, let's see where it ends up. So his eyes deceived him. His esteem deceived him. Lot's enjoyment deceived him. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about having another man in the Bible that had a choice between doing what was right and enjoying the pleasures of sin. There was, there's another man in the Bible. Hebrews 11:24 says this, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You realize Moses, by his adoption, into an Egyptian family, he could have been a prince of Egypt. He was a prince of Egypt, and he decided to turn that down. We all have that choice. Lot had that choice. There was a lot of fun, if you will, to be had in Sodom. I don't know how closely we can equate Sodom to the Las Vegas of our day, but if there is ever a place you could call Sin City, then Sodom was it. Lot let the enjoyment of where he was deceive him, trick him. What else or who else deceived Lot? Well, his eyes, his esteem, his enjoyment. Lot's enemies deceived him. Genesis 19 verse 4 says this, But before they lay down, these are the two angels that came in to rescue Lot and his family. The men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, and they called unto Lot. And said unto them, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Now, I'll pause here and be very tactful in how I say this. You understand what they were saying here. They wanted to and desired to brutalize and rape these men. Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. So he slides out the door and shuts it behind him and said, I pray you get this. Re realize this. This is what Lot says in response to these, in, these atrocious, this unfathomable request. The guests that are in your house. And realize the culture of this day. Guests were, were to be protected. You're supposed to be very careful about guests in your home. And so they ask him this, uh, this really unthinkable request. And then Lot comes back with something that you could make the case is worse. And said, Lot said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. 
Now, there's a whole lot to unpack here, and we'll have to we'll have to push some of this back into into tomorrow. But do you realize that Lot offered his virgin daughters to these men instead of those two men, those angels that were with him? They were on he he was unaware they were angels. But regardless, Lot was pretty far gone by this point, wasn't he? I wonder if the same thing had happened when he had been in his tent outside of Sodom months or years before. I wonder if he would have even considered that. No, 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 no. No, he would have been close to Uncle Abraham and they would have come out with swords swinging and they would have said, we'll have none of that around here. But now he's trying to placate and please the mob. His enemies that he thought were his friends deceived him. Join us tomorrow right here on the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. There's more to look at in this question of what deceived Lot. Greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracts Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309 309- 828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.